Okay, hello everybody. Today is Thursday, and on Thursdays I've been doing a regular segment about the disappearance of Donna Lass from 1970. Donna Lass was last seen on September 6th of that year, and what happened to her is still a mystery to this day. Donna Lass is someone who was working in State Line, Nevada at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, which has since been renamed the Hard Rock Hotel. And she was working at the nurse's station, She doing the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift. Yet, no one saw Donna leave the building, and it is completely uncertain about what happened to her that night. And if you would like to follow along with these regular discussions, I would invite you to like and subscribe. It's a really good way to uh, keep up with every Thursday post about the disappearance of Donna Lass. And another thing you can do is to go over to... Launchpad 1, where you can download this show for free. There's a link to that in the description box. Launchpad 1, it's under the same name, Black Box Online Radio. But you can download the show for free. Take it on the go, anywhere and anyhow. It's a pure podcast, just the audio. And if you want to download the video version of this show, you can use YouTube Premium, but that you have to pay for. Launchpad 1 is free. Another great way to support the show, in addition to listening, is to visit the Amazon page for the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned DeHaan. There's a link to that in the description box as well. And of course, the Teespring page. Have a look at some of the merchandise. And remember, being weird is not a crime. I wanted to do this episode in somewhat of a twofold way. The first was to talk about the timeline of the disappearance. I always think that it's very beneficial when I'm listening to true crime programs just to find out the exact timeline, step-by-step, what was somebody doing on the day of their disappearance. But I also wanted to partner this with something that is a little bit more open-ended, and that would be doing the Q&A session, where I will respond to your questions and comments, much sim- very similar to the Wednesday AMAs. And I think a good place, I would like to go to some comments that were left by Pedro Fernandez on some of the recent Donalas episodes, because I think it's a very good introduction to the timeline. Pedro writes, Having seen shift changes at hospitals and the like, I'd be curious to know the staff numbers per shift that day. Where is the clinic personnel log? The next question is, Who relieved her and saw her last? The next question, Were there any patients seen by Donna that day? As I said, Donna went missing on September 6th of 1970, She was working at the nurse's station at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. And to provide some information about the the answers to those questions, I would definitely turn to a very well-written article by Paula Peterson at SouthTahoeNow.com. One more time, Paula Peterson. I really like the way she introduced this because as somebody who was a relatively um, newfound newcomer to the case... I found that everybody was giving different times for all of the activities that Donna Lass was experiencing, particularly her activities on the 6th of September. And there's really just a two-hour block that gets all kinds of... It just gets jumbled around in the other news sources. Some people say she was last seen at 1.15 a.m., like 15, like 1.5 and then they say she was last seen at 1.30, last seen at 1.40, a.m., all kinds of different numbers have been put out. And I was wondering, well, what is the actual answer to that question? So, first, I think that we have one point of clarity. Donna disappeared on September 6th at 
the in the early a.m. hours, I'll say that for now. That means she went to work the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift. So her car was parked at the Monte Verde apartment complex near her apartment building. Yeah, okay, Monte Verde apartment complex. Yeah, I think you get the idea. Her car was still there. We believe that she walked to work using a particular walking path that would have taken her 16 minutes. So she arrives shortly before 6 p.m. at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Now, here's the stuff that Paula Peterson has written out. South Lake Tahoe, California. It was 1.15 a.m. on the morning of September 6, 1970, when nurse Donna Ann Lass was working in the first aid room of the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino in State Line, Nevada. She made a log entry just before her last patient entered the room 15 minutes later, one half hour before getting off duty. Donna was scheduled to make a log entry at 1.45 a.m., but it was never completed and she was never seen again. Although her car was found parked at her apartment, she wasn't seen leaving the Sahara. Okay, so let's pay attention to this. 1.15 a.m. is when Donna writes in the logbook. The next thing is, she is seeing a patient at 1.30 a.m. So um, that answers this one question here. Were there, were there any patients seen by Donna that day? Yes. Even in the early a.m. hours of September 6, she saw a patient at 1.30 a.m. She is supposed to have written a log entry at 1.45 a.m., but that log entry was not completed. And the next question that Pedro has here is, who relieved her or was the last person that saw her? The last person who saw Donna last was a woman named Joan Bentley at 1.40 a.m. And I found the um, original news clipping for this, but somehow I misplaced it. But thankfully, Richard Grinnell of ZodiacCiphers.com has been all over the coverage of this, and he has written some very good articles himself compiling information about the disappearance of Donna Lass, and it was even posted there that the last person to have seen Donna Lass alive was at 1.40 a.m., and her name was Joan Bentley, and also she reported that Donna Lass was in good spirits. It didn't appear that there was any type of emergency going on. She didn't seem like she had some type of chaotic problem that she was trying to get back to. 1.15, last log entry, or completed one, rather. 1.30, Starts the visit with her last patient, 1.40 a.m. The last person to have seen her is Joan Bentley. Now, this question here about who was supposed to have relieved Donna Lass, I can definitely say that there was no shift change. Like, the person who was coming to take over her duties at the nursing station did not have any interactions with her. Donna was not seen leaving work. She was not seen leaving the building. She wasn't seen at all after the sighting at 1.40 a.m., but I'm sure Pedro is asking the question in this way, that because he wants to say, was Donna, um, well, who, who was the person that took over her shift? Who was the person who came to the nurse's station and took over the duties of working the first aid station at the Sahara Tahoe? But that one I do not have, and I think that this does um, provide some clarity on the timeline. And if you ever do read other sources, I guarantee you will find this, that the dates and times are just going to be all over the map. And the, the dates are tricky themselves because Donna goes to work on September 5th. She is supposed to stay there 
um, until September 6th. She's going to get off work at 2 a.m., and she has a plan to have sort of a rendezvous with her friend Joanne Getchy. Joanne Getchy was driving from San Francisco or from California to State Line, Nevada, to see Donna Lass. They were going to spend the weekend together, Labor Day weekend. And if, I've under, if I understand this correctly, and I'm open to correction if I get anything wrong here, Joanne Getchy arrives at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel. She's waiting for Donna Lass. There's no sign of her. So she checks into a room and stays the night in the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and then goes back to her home in California. The original plan was that she's going to meet up with Donna at 2 a.m. That's why Donna walked to work that day. That's why Donna left her car at the Monteverde apartment complex. She was going to get a ride home from Joanne Getchy, but there was no sign of Donna, so eventually Joanne Getchy just returns back home, and um, that's, that is one of the big tip-offs that Donna is missing. Now, there was a comment by Pedro Fernandez also on a previous episode about how the area in South Lake Tahoe and State Line, Nevada, is very wooded. It's very rough terrain. He didn't believe that Donna Lass would have walked um, to work with um, the plan to walk home at 2 a.m., and I'm both going to agree and disagree with that. And I'll do that right after I read this comment from Studio Steph. Donna's apartment to the casino was not walking in the woods. It's a town, the streets are paved, and the highway is like a boulevard, sidewalks and bright street lights. Her friend was going to pick her up at work when she got off. They were probably going out. You can drink, gamble all night in the casinos in Nevada. South Shore State Line is like a mini Reno. If we look at the walking path that Donna would have taken, she would have been able to walk right along Route 50. So I, I don't agree that um, she would have had to go through any rough wooded areas. Like, she's not going to walk in through any forest-like settings. But what I do agree with is I still don't think Donna Lass would have walked home at 2 a.m. if she actually had a, a vehicle that's just sitting in her apartment. It would have taken her three minutes to drive you know, according to Google Maps, three minutes to drive from the Monteverde apartment complex to the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Even five minutes, six minutes, door-to-door ten minutes, that's still going to be less than walking home at 2 a.m. I agree that she would not have walked home on her own accord unless she, um, so I think, I, th I mean, I think it's just that. She would had a planned meeting with Joanne Getchy. Her next comment comes to us from Christine Wright who says, It's said about the Zodiac murders. The Zodiac claims to have done this, but it strikes me how it would have been impossible to commit a murder and then link it to the Zodiac. Maybe Donna Lass ran off with someone to start a new life. I'm beginning to wonder if, like others, have said that there never was a single Zodiac killer. Oh, I can talk to you for hours. I mean, we could talk for three hours straight just on was there one Zodiac perpetrator who committed the murders and uh, also wrote all the letters, or was it a group of people? But let's look at another part of Christine Wright's comment here. I'm beginning to think that Donna Lass ran off with someone and started a new life. No signs of Donna leaving the Sahara Tahoe. That is one thing, but um, I believe the comment that was a reply to her is from Studio Steph, and I have some uh, my own comments about this, but first I'll read Studio Steph's. 
Donna Lass had a good new job and a new apartment. Her BFF was on her way to meet her after work to hang out for the holiday weekend. She never accessed the bank or anything. Completely out of character for her to have just taken off, leaving everything behind with no word. I mean, if I can give you my honest take on the subject, I don't believe that Donna Lass ran away to start a new life. Yes, because of what Studio Steph said, but I will add some additional points to that. Not only did Donna have this planned, arranged time to spend with her friend for the Labor Day weekend, she's going to be hosting a guest on September 6th and 7th, and that's when she's choosing to disappear? Well, it's possible, but unlikely. But I would partner that with another statement that I read in some of the older news articles, that Joanne Getschi reported that Donna was saving up money for a trip to Europe, and she was talking so enthusiastically about it. Well, how is she going to get the money? Well, she's going to be working her job at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, and that was her plan. She was going to be going to Europe the next year. So that also doesn't seem like someone who is just so frustrated with life that she just wants to run away from it all. And even on the day of, the last person who has seen her, Joan Bentley, reported that she was in good spirits shortly before the disappearance. I'm thinking that all of that indicates that Donna did not run away, and she did not um, go off and start a new life. She didn't leave on her own accord. I believe Donna Lass was abducted. Now, we have a comment that is going to address a theory that was put forward by Mike Morford, which I also agreed with in the last episode, Did Donna Lass Know Her Abductor? That's the name of the episode. And it's talking about the timeline. Did somebody have prior knowledge that Donna Lass had walked to work and they um, were expecting her not to have a ride home and they knew to abduct her on that day because her car wouldn't be left behind in the parking lot and it would allow for them to buy some time that people wouldn't immediately think that Donna Lass was missing. Donna disappeared sometime between 1.40 and 2 a.m. So that means that it's a very small time window, but also that's the end of her shift. Not in the middle, not at the beginning, not somewhere near the end. The last 20 minutes of her shift is when she went missing. Now, let's ask and answer that question. Did Donna know, or did Donna know her abductor? Did her abductor know her? And I think that um, we can answer this one in a couple of ways. Firstly, I'll, I'll read a comment from Albert Forel. If you are aware that a friend is going to pick your victim up after their shift, ten minutes before the shift ends would be a really bad time. And I have to have somewhat of a reversal on the comments that I made last week. Albert Forel uh, made a very good observation. It would be ridiculous to try and abduct someone if they knew that they had a ride coming at 2 a.m. and Or that they're going to meet up with somebody at 2 a.m. and you try and abduct them at 1.50. Because they don't know where their friend is. Did the friend arrive early? Is the friend waiting outside the door? Is the friend waiting in the parking lot? I do agree with that. But there's also another side to the story. Maybe... Somebody knew that Donna had walked to work, but they did not know that she had an arrangement to meet Joanne Getchy. They just, maybe they saw Donna walking in the building. Hey, did you drive? Where's your car? No, I walked today. Some type of short interaction like that. What I think is much more telling about this sequence of events is, it's almost as if somebody definitely knew Donna Lass. 
But that doesn't mean that Donna Lass knew the abductor. Those are two questions, not one. Did Donna Lass know the person who had abducted her? Maybe. But I definitely think that the abductor had a lot of familiarity with Donna Lass. Her schedule, her um, movements, her um, behavior. Someone who's observing her, stalking her in a very subtle way, not to draw attention to himself. And, and maybe it is exactly the way that um, the theory that we read off last time could be correct. That Donna Laz is at the nurse's station after she was witnessed by Joan Bentley. Someone waited for the area to clear. Then they ran over to her and said, hey, there's an emergency. You have to come quickly. And then they hurried out of the nurse's station and that person abducted her forced her into a vehicle and then drove off but it definitely seems that her abductor had some familiarity with her i would like to go to a two-part message that was sent to me by mike morford and um, he sent this into the email anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at aol.com and morph says enjoyed your donna last videos i'll be doing an interview soon with someone close to her I hope to straighten out some details and errors. I plan to do an in-depth podcast about Donna Lass and other victims from that area. By the way, I'm still 100% confident that Donna and her killer knew each other. And I definitely lean toward that way. I mean, um, I mean, you know, like Joanne Getschy arriving or not, I definitely lean toward the fact that Donna knew who this person was. Now, does that mean that this person knew every single aspect of her schedule and that she's going to have this planned meeting with Joanne Getschy. No. It could have been something as, as simple as I said, that someone just sees her walking in the building and is like, hey, she didn't drive to work today, and then she's not going to have a car in the parking lot. Or somebody even could have talked to her about it for one sentence, you know, just like one short interaction. I said Morph had a two-part message, and it says, last night after I emailed you, I was sent some materials that has me removed thinking the entire last case. Hope to share more later. And I'm going to be looking out for that, and I definitely want to hear Morph's podcast with this first-hand connection to Donna Lass. Maybe he or she will provide some information about um, what Donna Lass was doing prior to her disappearance, and then some of the um, other uh, clues in the case. And at this time, I would like to talk about two perhaps widely held beliefs about the case that I genuinely want to dispute or disagree with or that I have concerns about. The first is one that Donna Lash was last seen walking with a blonde-haired man at some point um, after the sighting from Joan Bentley. It has been mentioned in a couple articles. Richard Grinnell even quoted it on one of his posts on ZodiacCiphers.com. I read it in at least, in at least one other article. And I flat out do not believe that that happened. I believe that Joan Bentley was the last person that was that saw Donna Lass. I don't believe that anyone else had any other credible sightings. Based on the way that the news coverage is presented, I think if this were a widely established fact, then people would have found ways to corroborate the story more. And if someone had actually witnessed Donna Lass walking with this blonde-haired man, then it... um. There would be things like a composite sketch. If they actually thought they had credibility to this witness sighting, that's what they do. They create composite sketches. But also, more importantly, I think every single news source would try to use this fact in their coverage because it's valuable to them. The fact that 
it has been dismissed so easily has um has very large um it has me very suspicious created a large suspicion for me the second fact that i would um like to challenge is the time log now donna lass made her last completed uh, entry in her logbook at 1.15 a.m. on September 6, 1970. I'll just even go to the Tahoe Daily Tribune and talk about how they uh, mentioned the next one. There are suspicions that Donna Lass was a victim of the Zodiac, but an opened letter, a dirty uniform, and her logbook were left behind. The pen was dragged down from the final word to the end of the page. They're talking about the ink of the pen that she's writing, patient needs in care of or something like that and then the pen ink just travels down the edge of the page all the way to the end i do not believe that that is something that actually happened and it's creating the impression that um somebody interrupted her while she was writing the log entry at 1:45 a.m that would actually give us an even smaller amount of time for the abductor to have taken donna last sometime between 1:45 and 2 a.m but the reason I don't believe it is, seeing is believing. Until I see that logbook with my own eyes, I I can't accept it. I mean, I can't. I it just I have a gut instinct that's telling me something is wrong with that. It sounds like fantasy-filled journalism. It sounds like people such as perhaps Harvey Hines even fudging the facts. Harvey Hines is the guy that brought Lawrence Kane forward as a Zodiac killer suspect, and he wrote a very big report about the disappearance of Donna Lass, but the sad thing is, I also just simply do not trust him. I mean, I do not think that he is a very credible source. But when it comes to those two things, you might encounter this if you read up on the disappearance of Donna Lass, that she was last seen walking with a blonde-haired man, or she's walking with any guy. I do not believe it. Most sources, overwhelmingly, most sources say that Donna Lass was last seen by Joan Bentley at 1.40 a.m. She seemed like she was in good spirits. It seems like everything is fine. Now, I can ask you guys the challenge question again. Do you believe that Donna Lass knew her abductor? It really could be interpreted in a couple of different ways. I'm definitely leaning toward the abductor knew her. Had familiarity with her routine. Did Donna Lass know her abductor? highly probable i think it's very very probable but did the abductor know that donna lass was going to get a ride from joanne getchy perhaps not i mean that's so close to the time when the friend could have been waiting in the parking lot unless joanne had uh some different plans but not to our knowledge she's gonna arrive at 4 a.m or something still though you wouldn't risk something like that if you knew that someone's going to be waiting for you Instead, it seems like someone didn't have knowledge that Joanne Ketchy was going to arrive at uh, in the early a.m. hours of September 6th. I would like to go to some comments on the first Donna Lass episode. The cat meow says, She's buried at the Presidio in their pet cemetery, in between the pine trees, underneath the buried pets. Now, obviously, the cat is going to try and connect Donna Lass to the Zodiac Killer. She believes that her suspect was uh, not only the Zodiac, but also the murderer of Donna Lass. I will challenge you on Donna Lass's final resting place. Instead of the Presidio, I would propose Tahoe National Forest or any of the national forests in the surrounding area. 
I'm also heavily reminded of the 1974 murder of Dana Lowe, where Dana Lowe was abducted, murdered, and her body was dumped in a mine shaft, so perhaps the perpetrator could have driven eastward into Nevada as opposed to the National Forest, but all of that rural terrain in the Tahoe area, I mean, I would propose instead that she's buried somewhere in the forest and mountainous areas nearby the Sahara Tahoe, because what tends to happen is when someone is murdered, they are usually discarded, their body is usually discarded in a very nearby area. We see this all the time in the true crime world, and no, I can't present you some statistics to take into a court of law just from watching Forensic Files and 48 Hours and true crime programs and documentaries. In long-standing missing persons cases, usually someone has passed away shortly around the time of their disappearance, and if and their remains are located very close by, it's just um knowing exactly where to look. But um, with the highways that surround the area, there's Route 89 and Route 50, that leads you right into the National Forest, so I would propose that one instead. We have a comment from MC who says, The more I listen to these videos, I'm now going back to thinking that the Zodiac was a cop who knew every move of the case and knew what was happening. He had first-hand info as to what they were thinking and planning. The fact that he has never been caught is also... A plus in this thought. The way that Richard Hoffman describes Darlene Farron's bra strap blowing in the wind was the creepiest thing I've ever heard. Never have I heard a professional upstanding policeman describe a victim in that manner. So, I mean, also trying to connect on the last two, either the Zodiac Killer or um, perhaps a variant of the Zodiac Theory, but I think the bigger takeaway from that is the person who committed the abduction of Donna Lass alleged abduction, we don't really know what happened, it has, seems to have too much familiarity with the Sahara Tahoe, too much familiarity with Don Alas, and I can't wait for Morph to reveal um, his new findings to the public, because he said very clearly he thinks Donna knew her abductor, and she knew him. So, how else would maybe somebody the only alternative would be that maybe somebody just got extremely lucky but i don't think that's the case i think that um there is some type of first-hand connection and another reason why is because morph um put out in that comment that i read off last time that there's a prank call or hoax call that comes in the next day when somebody says donna less is uh, not coming today she has an emergency but there's no actual emergency, and it has been dismissed as a hoax. Almost certainly that came from the killer, and Morph's reasoning was that it's allowing himself to buy time to clean something up, to destroy evidence. If it were just some random dirtbag, as Fred Murray would call them, if it was just some random dirtbag who abducted her, that he wouldn't have to buy time. So that means that it's someone who has a definitive first-hand connection to Donald Ass, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, this is still an unsolved case. Now, I would like to just do a very brief recap. Donna Lass arrives at work at 6 p.m. on September 5th, 1970. At 1.15 a.m. on September 6th, she writes an entry into her logbook. 1.30 a.m., she sees her final patient of the shift. 1.40 a.m., she has that interaction with Joan Bentley. And then 1.45, she's supposed to complete an entry into the logbook. 
I think the universal acceptance is that the entry was incomplete. Okay, I think we can just leave it at that. And then at 2 a.m., her shift is supposed to end, and then someone is going to relieve her and take over. But that doesn't happen, because Donna is never seen after the 1.40 a.m. sighting. So what happened to her? Is this just a case of some guy ran over, distracted her, and got her to leave? Or did somebody coerce her into a vehicle in another way? Do you agree with that one person who said that they thought Donna left to start a new life and she's a genuine walk-away? What do you think happened to Donna Lass? I think I've been fairly clear about my interpretation of the events so far. I think Donna walked to work. I think somebody saw her walking into work and knew she didn't have a vehicle and that her car wouldn't have been left in the parking lot. And this person probably did not know that Joanne Getchy was going to be arriving at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. They didn't know that Joanne Getchy was going to be coming to get Donna Lass and that I believe Donna Lass was murdered shortly after her disappearance, maybe within 24 hours, and that her body is uh, buried somewhere in the forests and mountainous area surrounding the Lake Tahoe region. But I'm willing to listen to anything you guys have to say if you want to dispute any of the claims or any of the analyses that we've been through in this episode. Please feel free to do so, and I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.